right, good to go. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. Joining me, as always, from the tropical metropolis of Calgary, Alberta, my co-host, Tim Jensie. Tim, are we calling it the Bacho Suite now, or the Hot Soul Lounge? I don't know. I just wasn't anywhere near the stadium, so I couldn't tell you. No? No. But, I mean, it's coming. Yeah, we still gotta come up with a name for your guys' place in Calgary. Hmm. We'll think about it. Right now, it's the Weeaboo Hole. Okay. I, I don't know if I could use that, but sure. Well, I mean, there's enough goddamn anime figures. Yeah, that's true. Surprisingly, there's not enough wrestling figures and shit in my room right now, so... Well, you're saying it's hard to find sports memorabilia around uh, Duncan Victoria nowadays. Yeah, it's true. Like, I went down to AAA memorabilia last week, and... Their store looked kind of barren. It was just like, wow, really not much in here. Maybe it's going under. The rent in Victoria is just too damn high. Yeah, especially when you're down on Wharf Street. Yeah. So, Tim, I'm really excited to have you back this for this week because it's going to be a little different for next week because we have a special co-host covering for you for next week, Tim. Yeah, because I'm going to be down in Rochester competing in the Vice Schwartz National Level Tournament. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, if I go 0-2 and out, I'll crap myself and phone the fire marshal. Tim, I think the jig is up. You're not really going to Rochester. You're going to Hamilton, aren't you? You're going to the Tiger Cast game. Uh, I'm surprised you're not accusing me of being a Buffalo fan. Tim, That'd I just saw the video on Adam's Twitter of uh-huh. the Nature Boy rocking a Tie Cats jersey. I think Actually, the jig's up, bud. The jig is up. Ric Flair wore a, a Hamilton Tiger Cats jersey? He's going to be in the next game, buddy, apparently. Oh, slick. Yeah. The timing is impeccable. Yes, a little too to impeccable, if you ask me. Because I go th- I go by train through, uh, through down to Rochester uh, because I'm flying through Toronto. Okay. Okay, yeah, so, so let's go back to this little announcement. Uh, the fellow that's going to be covering you for next week is Ascend's blogger by the name of Joseph St. Amour. He's a writer for Nosebleed Sports and the Fourth Line Podcast. Oh, so you'll get someone who actually knows something about hockey on this show. What are you talking about, Tim? You know stuff about hockey. Oh, wow. Honestly, I'm flattered, but let's be real. <laughs> Well, let's be honest, Tim. I mean, you're the fancy math guy between the two of us. Yeah. Someday I'll actually machine learn a model. Maybe. And you know what's funny? I didn't realize that until the other day that not only is he going to be the co-host for next week, we have him on the next week after that for an exclusive interview with him. Oh, wow. We're just It's going to be a lot of Joseph. Absolutely, man. It's going to be good. I've been talking to him. He seems like a really cool dude, so can't wait to have him on. Yeah, no kidding. Now that we have that out of the way, let's talk a little bit about your Ottawa trip, Tim, because 
I understand that you went to a certain burger place in I Ottawa. Went twice. Twice. Now, I have to ask, was the burger the best burger in Ottawa or very disappointing? Well, I mean, you can have your bad opinions, but it was a wonderful burger. They made a Krabby Patty and a Mexican burger. Thank you. And they were delicious. Would you say that you would ever go back forever? Forever. Although we did actually go to this really cool uh, tiki bar that was a bastard to find. Yeah. So it's on Elgin, and but it turns out that uh, the staircase into this bar is actually within another restaurant. Really? Yeah. So like what you had, and the restaurant was closed. So to get in, you had to find, like, the one door of the restaurant that opened that allowed you to get through into into the bar. It took me and my buddy, uh, like, ten minutes to figure out how to get in because we kept we went up the street, down the street, tried calling our friend. They didn't pick up, looked around back, like, confirmed the address, looked around again. Then uh, one of our other friends who was looking at their phone came and grabbed us. <laughs> Crazy. Really cool space, though. Nice. So all in all, uh, good trip. All in all, good trip. All in all, good trip. Ate a bit too much McDonald's. Now, did you go to the McDonald's on Elgin? Yeah, like Elgin and O'Connor. Yeah, I went to that in when I was in Ottawa because it was just up the road from my hotel, and I was like, "God, this food sucks," and it was really dirty in there. Yeah, we went to that one because it was close to the bar, but. There, if you're in downtown Ottawa, the McDonald's are special, to say the least. Yeah, and uh, I was only there once, and even I yes. was just like, I will never come back to this place. You did, and the the other issue with that one in particular is it doesn't have a full menu. Uh, it's missing some of the staples. Like uh, half the time, it won't even have a McChicken on rotation. Hmm. But uh, the other thing, but that's not even the worst one in the downtown core. The one by the Rito by Rideau Mall is infamous in Ottawa. Really? Just weird shit happens all the time. Hmm. And it's like ground zero for homeless people. Ah, okay. And lots of fights happen. People pee in there. Like, I mean, in the plants. And they have, like, permanent security. Because it's just nuts. If you want to go to McTollins in downtown core, you have to go to the one at Bank and Sparks. So closer to Parliament. That one's actually nice. Okay. You don't go to the other ones. No, 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 no. I learned that the hard way. It's a shame because there used to be a Wendy's a few bl- a block or two down from there, but it closed while I was living there. Ah, okay. That's hard to believe that a Wendy's would close down. Yeah, which is weird because the Harvey's outlived it. What do you think about Harvey's? I always thought their burgers were overrated. Uh, they don't make them a beautiful thing, that's for sure. They They're absolutely just... don't. Their burgers are shit. Yeah, they're dry. I know. I actually would have preferred a Burgers and Fries Forever Burger to that, Tim. Wow. Shots fired. Okay, I you know what? I shouldn't be too hard because their burger was... It was not bad, but you built it up so much that I was expecting, like, the greatest thing ever. It's a really good burger. Maybe maybe I should have gone to the one in the Byward Market. To be fair, the when I made the recommendation, I wasn't even aware of the one in the market. That's fair, because I remember you saying that to me, too. You were just like, yeah, just go down to the one in Elgin. And I was like, okay. 
well, Bank Street, but yeah, now they've got now they've got a, a second one, and again, both good. Okay. Wow, we said we were going to condense uh, talking about our weeks, but here we are. Well, that's not too <laughs> bad. Uh, I'll just really quickly condense my week. I had a busy week at work. Um, unfortunately, long story short, uh, my sister got into a car accident with my vehicle. ICBC called me. It's getting written off, so now I'm in the market for a new vehicle. And the other night, I went out for the staff student hockey game at Cary Park, and we didn't lose too bad. We lost 3-1. to one. And when I told you about this, I was just like, you were just like, oh, how bad is it going to be? And I'm just less like, it's going to be bad was your description. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's already dead. That's what it's going to be like. And you were just like, oh, no. And then part of it was like, wait, these kids are probably going to go on to play hockey at some professional level. Yeah. And I was just like, well, let's pump the brakes, buddy. We're not Sean again here. Yeah, fair enough. But at the same time, you're beer leaguers. True. Nobody even brought the beer. I was pissed off. What are you going to do? Just hawk it at the kids? Yeah. Damn. Y'all are savages. Oh, absolutely. So before we go into top of the hour, I just want to give a really quick shout out to your wife, Chelsea, who celebrated her birthday the other day. Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> super fun. You were just like, oh, yeah, that's right. Chelsea did have a birthday. Well, it's more like I wasn't expecting you to mention it, to be honest. Well, why wouldn't I, Tim? I'm the one that shot her Facebook message, and she is our number one fan. It's true. Yeah, because think about it, Tim. She puts up with us every Monday night, and more importantly, she puts up with you. Every night. There you go. Hey, I made dinner today. What'd you make? Uh, I made spaghetti sauce. How was it? Fantastic. Excellent. You know what's going to make this even more fantastic? A good potty. That too, but also segueing into this little segment I like to call Top of the Hour. I'm not going to lie, Tim, I think this is going to be the biggest Top of the Hour we've got. We've got 15 stories to get through tonight. Yeah, and there are, a lot of them are big ones, too. Exactly, and the funny thing is, is I was thinking, oh yeah, it's just like, oh yeah, it's not going to be that big of a week. I looked, I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ. And that's why I was like, yeah, we should probably condense that. <laughs> oh, well. Yeah. Now, for top of the air, and you know my feelings, I don't like starting top of the air off with deaths. And we've got two of them. <laughs> we're going to start off with the first one. Former NHL president John Ziegler Jr. passed away at age 84. Ziegler became president of the NHL in 1977 and served until 1992. Ziegler's tenure saw the Oilers, Nordiques, Whalers, and Jets join the NHL from the WHA. The expansion of three NHL teams, the San Jose Sharks, Tampa Bay Lightning, and... Most importantly, a little team called the Ottawa Senators. Who's heard of that? I don't know. You know, it's... God, it's like they get overshadowed by some team that hasn't had a lot of success in the last 50 years. Yeah. Yeah. It's like priorities are skewed or something. Ah, I know, right? And was also instrumental in the NHL's transition into becoming an international league with a share of... European-born players in the league grow from 2% to 11 and the first wave of Soviet players. So this is the thing, Tim. Now, Gary Bettman gets a lot of credit for the growth of the NHL over the last 25 years, but he's just essentially just finishing what John Ziegler started. Mm-hmm. But I think uh, the NHL has been fairly lucky to have a very strong president and then a very strong commissioner 
to follow right on the heels. I guess the only thing you could really say about Gary Bettman as far as uh, his qualities commissioner compared to Mr. Ziggler is that, well, maybe he locks it out a bit too much. Yeah, but I mean, the thing is, is that during Ziggler's tenure, NHL salaries only went up to a certain amount, whereas once Gary Bettman came into power, Gretzky was already traded to LA, salaries really started to rise, and there became fighting with between the NHLPA and the NHL. Mm-hmm. But a lot of that stuff wouldn't have happened without just that growth of the game. And I think with Ziggler, he really... You're right, he started the ball rolling for the professionalization of the NHL and the NHL really becoming one of the big four sports leagues in North America. Mm-hmm. And funny enough, like I was reading this and I'm thinking, you know, because a lot of criticism against Gary Bettman is that he seems to be against Canadian teams, which I don't think is personally true. Because you know what, when in the 90s, like the Nordiques and Jets were already in trouble and... Ziggler seems like a guy like he was really pushing for Canadian teams, and that's why we saw the Senators join the NHL. We saw, like I said, Quebec, Edmonton, and Winnipeg all join from the WHA into the NHL. You do have to wonder, like especially with Quebec, was it really wise to have a? Well, like I guess the thing with Quebec is before the NHL really became a big professional league, a city of. 500,000 could support a a mid to like a non-premier sports franchise but once it became like you have to pay players in the millions yeah like I don't think a small city can support it so like Batman it was just Batman looking at not really heavily defend not so much Batman is anti-Canadian he just wasn't fervently pro-Canadian mm-hmm. and he was just kind of looking at the, the economics of the situation it's like oh maybe a city of 500,000 can't support a team that needs to pay its players like 20 million, 30 million a year. Mm-hmm. Now there's exceptions to that rule, like the Green Bay Packers of the National Football League, but there's a big difference, right? Because football stadiums can hold 60, 70,000 people, whereas NHL arenas are in the high tens, mid tens. Yeah, and on top of that, it's, and like the older ones were definitely smaller. But then Green Bay also has that storied legacy, so they're kind of built. They're kind of built in, and they have a fan base outside of a lo- very large fan base outside of Green Bay. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure the Quebec Nordiques ever had that, and that's probably why there wasn't a huge fight to keep them around. Yeah, but I mean, also you got to think that the Canadian economy was also in the shits at that time as well. Well, yeah, the federal government manufactured a recession, basically. Let's go into our another, next story. Former New York Islanders owner Charles Wang passed away at age 74. Wang, who co-founded Computer Associates in 1976, became part owner of the Islanders in 2000 before becoming the majority owner in 2001, a title which he held until 2016. While initially praised for his willingness to spend money to make the team competitive, he was also criticized by fans for his series of personnel moves Personnel moves combined with the approval of long-term contracts for Alexi Yashin, and Rick DiPietro. Now, I know that we bitch about Eugene Melnick. The Islander fans got fucked so many times by the owner. It was insane. How active was he? he pretty active. I mean, he was pretty hands-on as an owner. Oh, jeez. 
Yeah, and I mean, I know in 2005, 2006, Neil Smith, who had won a Stanley Cup with the New York Rangers in the 90s, joined as the general manager, and he resigned after 40 days because of Charles Wang's hands-on approach that he wasn't a fan of, and that's when Garth Snow came aboard as the general manager. Yeah, and then I guess Garth Snow stayed around because he was willing to work with Wong, but... uh... Does this mean Mike Milbury is a little less crazy than most people say he is, or is Mike Milbury just fucking insane either way? That's a tough one because I know that Milbury definitely had praise for Charles Wang, so I don't know if he was all in crazy, but I imagine that having to work for that regime might have made him a little more crazier than usual. Yeah, fair enough, but... uh... That's the hard thing with owners is it's they have it's such a weird position to be like you have to put your money in but shut up because like if you're pouring billion like millions and billions of dollars into this pony intuitively you'd want to say it right exactly and I know that the sense call ups put it best we're talking about owners they say there's two types of owners there's the hands on owner and the hands off owner the hands on owner is like your Charles Wangs, your Tom Dundons, your Eugene Melnicks, who throw millions of dollars into the team and they have a lot of control with the franchise and they want to make start making decisions for the franchise. Or you have your hands-off owners like... I don't want to say Mario Lemieux, but certain owners like that, that they go, okay, you know, just let me know at the end of the year how we're doing and I'll just write a check. Mm-hmm. I don't know, I guess... it really. I don't mind, like certain types of hands-on like as long as you're still deferring to the experts Mm -hmm. and i feel like one of the things that i really like about uh, tom dundon is that he's very he's willing to go out and defend his players like uh with all the people making like i say that the way they celebrate goals in carolina isn't cool yeah i'm a fan of it personally he's like yeah i don't give a shit they're having fun let them have fun yeah and that's the kind of owner you need right Hmm. But I feel like we've got away from uh, the original point, which is if you're too hands-on, bad things happen. And with the long stretch of mediocrity for the New York Islanders, yeah, finger has to be pointed. Let's go into our next story. And this is a wrong that is officially being righted, Tim. The Anaheim Ducks have officially retired Paul Correa's number nine. Correa, who was the Ducks' first draft pick in 1993, third overall, played nine seasons with the Ducks from 1995 until 2003, recording 300 goals, 369 assists for 669 points, while winning two Lady Bing Awards, being named to seven All-Star Games, and serving as captain from the 96-97 season until the 02-03 season. Yeah, I'm honestly surprised it never happened sooner. Yeah, and I could see somebody like Timo Solani really pushing for Korea to have his jersey retired by Anaheim because I know that he was... I, I To this day, I will always maintain Solani is the reason Korea is in the Hall of Fame today. And I know when Korea was becoming a free agent after he left St. Louis, Solani fought for him to come back to Anaheim. But the doctors wouldn't clear him. Oh, that's a shame. But it's a shame that Paul Korea's career ended the way it did and i'm i still i'm still frustrated that that hits being re, like uh criminated and recriminated even this year with don cherry coming out and saying that korea kind of deserved it 
but like Paul Paul Korea was all class, incredible amount of skill, and it's about time that that talent was recognized in the Honda Center. Absolutely, and I remember I didn't get a chance to watch it live, but I did watch it on YouTube, and I'm just thinking. Like, this is great. This is really great to see that they have officially done this for their 25th season, of all things, too. Mm-hmm. And then, honestly, Timo Solani's always a class act. Absolutely, Tim. Absolutely. Like, yeah, the Jets were blessed with some ver- some really cool players. Sorry, Jets. Ducks were blessed with some great players, like, throughout their early and even modern history. It's a shame that they had to knock us out for their Stanley Cup. Yep. Yeah, but you know what, Tim? If it was the only way to get Solani a Stanley Cup, then I'm willing to overlook that. That's yeah. very magnumatious of you. I agree. I'm sorry, magnum. I know. Even the dogs are just like, yeah, we totally agree, Tim. <laughs> okay, let's go on to our next story. And this one, just, this one broke my heart. Even though I am not a fan of his, I always thought he was really overrated. I'm going to have to check this out when it comes out. Former NHL goalie Curtis Joseph is reporting coming out with an autobiography where he reveals that he was neglected as a child. Joseph, who spent 19 seasons in the NHL with St. Louis, Edmonton, Toronto Maple Leafs, Detroit Red Wings, Phoenix Coyotes, and Calgary Flames, was put up for adoption at five days old and was adopted by a nurse who was befriended by his mother. These stories always break your heart, but on the other end, it's kind of amazing that there's like this level of abuse going on and they're still a- these athletes are still able to overcome it. Mm-hmm. And you know, the, the one thing I don't think a lot of people are saying about Curtis Joseph coming out like this is that stuff like this happens. It happens to regular people. Doesn't matter what country you live in, but it means so much more when a high profile person like a Curtis Joseph comes out and says, Hey, this happened to me. And I overcame it, and I achieved, and if I could do it, you could also do it. Mm-hmm. Although it's, like, the thing about, like, parental neglect and stuff is it runs such a big gamut. But it's also, like, it's so hard to actively help children in that situation. Mm-hmm. Because, like, outside of a neighbor noticing and calling CPA, like, Child Protective Services, what can you actually do? And in a lot of cases, Child Protective Services can't really do all that much either. Yeah, because they have to do a report, they have to do an investigation, and there's so much tape and everything that has to go into something like that. And so, and I don't want to say regularly, but there are times where stuff gets overlooked, right? Or it goes through the cracks. Mm-hmm. And to be quite frank... Uh some like a lot of times life isn't better in the foster system no absolutely not and it's i think uh hopefully with coming out with this curtis joseph put some money some money and star power behind this and really and hopes to bring up the profiles of groups that can help at least uh informally like uh, big brothers big sisters or some of the, or service groups around canada mm-hmm. this actually reminds me a lot of when theron flurry came out with his stuff about a decade ago with playing with fire mm-hmm. yeah it's rough stuff but i think some good can come out of it absolutely let's go on to our next story a new documentary on former nhler cody hodgson is set shedding light on the rare gen- genetic disorder called magnagant 
hypothermia that forced him to retire from the NHL. Hodgson, drafted 10th overall by the Vancouver Canucks in 2008, only played in 328 games with three teams, Vancouver, Buffalo, and Nashville, scoring 64 goals, 78 assists for 142 points before retiring in 2016. Now, I have a friend of mine who actually played on the junior team, and he did, and only met him once, and he said, you know, nice enough guy, quiet, and when you read this, and it's like, wow, actually makes a lot of sense now, given when you really look back at his career, right? Because he did struggle with personal issues and they never came out to say what exactly it was. And the other thing is you look at he, Cody Hodgson always did quite well on the ice, but teams weren't willing to touch him with a 10 foot pole. Now that it comes out, it's like, Oh, rare, rare disease. It's like that puts that in context as well. Exactly. And the funny thing is about Hodgson is that when I saw him play for the Canucks, I always thought he was really cocky. He just seemed like he was just a little too cocky for his own good. And maybe that wasn't the issue. Maybe the issue, like he's coming out and saying, maybe it was this genetic disorder that was really the issue with his career. Yeah. Um, again, it's hard to say, and it's weird. It's a little weird that it, all the rumors seem to be like, yeah, lo- bad in the locker room, and now it's like, oh, wait, dude just had a weird fucking disease. Yeah. But then again, it's always kind of funny how... Ha- you know, it's, it is kind of funny how it's like these rumors spread anyway because of the absence of, well, just an unwillingness to talk about just ver- something very that's kind of personal, you know? Mm-hmm. And you know what? It's much much like mental health. A lot of hockey players are not willing to talk about stuff like that because to them, that's a sign of weakness. And they've been taught for years to not show weakness in the well, hockey think- community. I think that's true about just about every anywhere though, because it's mental health is still one of those things that a lot of people don't recognize as actually being ill, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's like if someone's got like a physical ailment, you're like, oh, you're obviously sick, or oh, you've obviously busted your arm. But with mental health, it's kind of invisible unless yeah. you're really breaking down. But then someone who's not exactly charitable to the to a certain diagnosis is like, oh, they're just acting, whatever. So there's this big stigma around mental health. Yeah, and also it's. You know, and I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that, like you were saying, with a physical element, you can see it. But a mental element, you can't see it, right? You can only take the person's word for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and speaking about just kind of rare diseases, uh, were you watching the Vegas game last night where they did a feature on Cody, uh, Corey Conacher? I did. Yeah, actually, I watched that and I was like, oh, that sucks. It's like having like an internal organ born outside of you. Shit's crazy. But then it's like they're able to like put it back into him through what looked like a brutal surgery and he was still able to play in the NHL. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. Absolutely. I mean, that game last night was bullshit, but, you know, I'll save that yeah. for next week. No kidding. Just don't want to even think about it. Well, let's move and on to I our next story so we don't have to think I'm, about it, Tim. TSN's Darren Dreger made news when he drew the ire of Sharks players Logan Couture and Evander Kane on Twitter after he responded to former Predators captain Mike Fisher's tweet protesting a high stick on Sharks defenseman Mark Edward Vlasic by his former teammate Victor Arvinson. Fisher tweeted that the video review should be allowed on those calls. Dreger then responded saying that Vlasic has been likely added to the league's embellishment list. Both Couture and Kane responded saying that the refs missed high sticks High sticking calls against San Jose in that game. What's funny is, but all 
all of those statements don't actually interact with each other, if you notice. Well, it's like, Fisher saying that it's a bad call and should be reviewed is adequately responded to by Drigger saying, oh yeah, and he's probably going to be on the embellishment list from now on. But notice how Couture and Kane don't actually respond to the fact that Vlasic dove. They're, try they're trying to get out of, make it seem like diving was, like, the, a, ba a bad call isn't a problem because they're getting bad calls against themselves. Notice how that doesn't really logically follow? Good point, Tim. Actually, I never thought of it that way. Yeah, it's they're totally talking. They're talking across each other and not really talking at each other. So, like, both of those things can be totally true. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes these sort of he said, these sort of arguments like, yeah, we got gypped, but this call was bad. These arguments never go anywhere because no one's really wrong. It's just not a logically coherent argument. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of funny, though. But uh, does it actually mean anything if you get put on the embellishment list? Other than the refs kind of side-eye you a bit more? I, I don't think so. I think that's the only thing that you being put on the embellishment list means is that referees and the league now looks at you a little bit closer when you get checked. Yeah, I've just never really heard about the embellishment. I didn't even know the Angel had a shit list, to be honest. No, I didn't think, I didn't think they had one either, but, you know... <laughs> No, but I mean, it's the NHL. I wouldn't be that surprised. Yeah, no kidding. Let's, Let's go to our next storytellers. Yeah. And this is a great one because, like we're talking about Paul Korea, another icon is being inducted. Stop it, Tom Connors' iconic anthem, The Hockey Song, will be inducted into the Canadian Songwriters Hall of Fame. Connors Song and other family members will be in attendance in attendance for the song's induction ceremony at Scotiabank Arena in Toronto. Connors himself passed away in 2013 to kidney failure, and his 40-year-old song reached number 29 on Billboard's Canadian Hot 100 charts. This is awesome. I'm surprised it wasn't in there earlier, to be honest, because I'm pretty sure it's just straight-up illegal to have a hockey game and not play this song. Yeah, actually, that's true. That was one of the things when I was writing this up going... Really? Like, it's not in there? And it's so iconic, right? Yeah, it's like every game, every broadcast, and, like, people reference it all the time. And everyone knows, like, the Stompin' Tom voice. And third period, last game of the playoffs, too. Yeah? Like, it's just so iconic. Now, I gotta ask you a question, Tim. Is it me, or did you also think that Stompin' Tom Connors and Gordon Lightfoot were the same person for the longest time? Honestly, yes. Honestly, yeah. Yeah. Me too. I was just like, for the longest time, I thought, oh yeah, it's probably Gordon Lightfoot. I don't know. I wonder if that was like another victim of the LimeWire glitch. So, well, not the LimeWire glitch, the LimeWire fault. Remember how in LimeWire songs would always half the songs had the wrong goddamn artist. Yep. I wonder how much of it is due to that, like uh, saying that the Pretenders did I Would Walk 500 Miles. That was the Proclaimers. Yeah. But, or like every every metal song was by Dragon Force. Just yeah, like that's true. shit like that. Yeah, I, I love that one week that LimeWare memes were a thing. Oh, like two weeks ago? Yeah, it was like that one week... But it was like a thing. I was just like, oh, it's so funny. The meme cycle is too fast nowadays, goddamn. I know. 
I'm surprised I didn't get any viruses looking at those memes on my phone. <laughs> ah, line well, they didn't, come they didn't come across as executables, so that's, you're fine. That's true, Tim. <sighs> Did you ever get any viruses on your computer using LimeWare? I got one because I pirated Flash, but I managed to remove it. Ah, uh, okay. My dad got a virus downloading a music video, and we had to re. It was it was so ingrained we had to nuke the computer and reform and really reformat it. Oof, brutal. Yeah, that was bad. Yeah. KHL insider and writer for Sports Express, Igor Iroko. Uh, it looks like Ironko. Ironko, thank you. CSKA Moscow is looking to play an exhibition game against an NHL team in time for Antony Tarasov's 100 years anniversary per Seska. Is it Seska or is CSKA? Is that how they pronounce it? CSKA. Yeah, president. Tarasov, a Russian ice hockey player and coach, is considered the father of Russian ice hockey, establishing the Soviet national team, as well as helping to found SK. C CSKA club, who won 19 Soviet titles, including all but five from 1955 to 1975, and three instances of winning four straight. Jesus Christ, that doesn't sound like a fun league. No, but the thing is, and Tarasov, uh, yeah, Tarasov is one of these guys, he was such a dictator with that team that he was not willing to let anybody go over to the NHL. And that's why you saw... Players like Pavel Burry, Alexander McGillney, Sergei Fedorov, and even the first wave of Soviet players, like, just deserting the team to go to the NHL. Yeah. Because, like, well, to be fair, it's like, if you're on the team that's all, or even if you're not on the team that's always winning, that doesn't sound like all that much fun. And then you've got a dick, like a tyrant of a coach as well. Jesus mm -hmm. Christ. But, I mean, it would be fun watching a KHL-NHL classic. Yeah, who would the team be, though? That's the big question. Who would they put the team against the KHL? Probably the Habs. You see, I thought the Habs, but would you really want to put the Habs, like this year's Habs, against them? I don't know if CSKA Moscow is... Act I don't know enough about the K to know if CSKA Moscow is actually a good team. Well, I think if I'm not mistaken, they were in the KHL final last year because... Vladimir Putin all right. but just guaranteed that they would win. Right. Or he would and, have somebody killed, you know. Yeah. Probably Ovechkin. Probably, because I think uh, Kolachuk played for them, too. Right. Um. Yeah, maybe some of the Leafs. Maybe. Here's the three teams that I would I would have picked. The Leafs, the Penguins, or, and here's the wild card, the Chicago Blackhawks. Maybe replace the Blackhawks with the Caps. Ooh, that is a good one, Tim. Or Tampa. Or Vegas. <laughs> Vegas. But yeah, it's like there's a there's a lot of quality NHL teams, and the other hard thing is I think there is a skill gap between the NHL and the KHL, so mm -hmm. you could probably get away with sending the Habs as well. You could. I mean, because the Habs are the most established NHL franchise. But what if they were willing to put, like, an all-star team together to play that team, though? Well, it'd be, like, all-stars versus all-stars? Yeah. Well, that'd be cool. Yeah, but oh, none like... of this, like, girly fucking all-star game shit. I want some action! Oh, we could do another summit. 
Ooh, that would be good, Tim. I'd watch that. Yeah, I would watch it too. That'd be good. It'd be better than the table hockey summary of Dog River. I'm not even going to say anything about that, Tim. I was watching Corner Gas again last night. boy. The Colorado <laughs> Rockets of the Western Hockey League have announced former NHL defenseman Adam Foote has been hired as their new head coach. Foote, who spent 20 years in the NHL with the Colorado Avalanche and Columbus Blue Jackets, will replace another former NHL defenseman and ex-Ottawa Senator Jason Smith as head coach. Played, like two games. Still counts. Yeah, I guess. I was actually surprised that Jason... I thought Jason Smith was mostly doing uh, co- like uh, minor-level coaching stuff for NHL gigs. But I didn't, that's kind of cool that he was uh, coaching one of the most storied teams in the B, the BCHL. WHL. Oh, WHL. Right. That's we're gonna cool. get we're gonna get so much hate mail from the Rockets fans. Be like, eh, what are you doing in the BCHL? Oh, we'll get one letter. Yeah. Hey, we got tweeted at this week. I know. I was actually kind of surprised anybody else knows about it other than Adam. <laughs> oh well. I don't know. I thought it was cool. Yeah, I thought it was. I get, I still gonna check out that thing that he tweeted at us because. I do. I did want to bring it up, but you know, I haven't got a chance to listen to it yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've got nothing to comment on that story. I was just like, oh, okay. That's cool. Yep. NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman has upheld the league's 20-game suspension against Washington Capitals forward Tom Wilson for his hit on St. Louis Blues forward Oscar Sundquist. Wilson appealed this case shortly after it was handed down by the NHL. I get why the NHLPA had to do the appeal. But there was no chance that that one was getting turned over. No, absolutely not. That was not. just vicious. Yeah, like, nothing more to say. Uh, justice dealt, justice up, justice maintained. Mm-hmm. Speaking of another suspension, Ottawa Senators defenseman Mark Borvieski has been suspended one game for his elbow on Bruins rookie, Yurho Vakaninen. Vakaninen, who suffered a concussion on the play, did not return. And Boros right back. Like, that hit itself, it was it was pretty tame as far as concussion, like, as, as far as uh, plays getting disciplined typically go. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, wow. But, yeah, he deserved it. And he's going to be back in the principal's office this week. Yeah, which is kind of surprising. I didn't realize that he's not a repeat offender. Yeah, Jesus Christ. Oh, well. Yeah, I mean, we'll probably be talking more about this hit when we get to the game against the Bruins. But for now, that's where we're just going to leave it at, and we'll talk more about it during the Bruins game. Mm-hmm. Former NHL goalie and ex- exclusive director of the NHL Alumni Association, Glenn Healy, said that he's all in regarding the topic of Canada's BIS one day replacing opiate-based painkillers. Healy said that he has spent the last 10 months investigating whether or not marijuana can help former players. That's, it makes sense now that it's legal in Canada, mm-hmm. and I guess that'll be the one smart thing Glenn Healy's ever done. Yeah. Man, I don't like that guy. I don't like him either, but you <laughs> know what? Given that last week we are talking about Connor McDavid saying that people would be stupid not to look into it, I think this is great because, personally, it would be better than some of the, like he's saying, some of the opiate-based painkillers these guys are taking 
for their pain, right? And, you know, because painkillers can really fuck you up yeah. six ways a Sunday, and we've seen it time and time again with people getting addicted to it and later taking their lives. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah, it's definite. it's definitely something that you have to consider. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're moving on to the next one. Yep. The NHL is diving headfirst into into the sports betting business and will announce official partnerships on Monday morning in New York. Now, I didn't follow up on on the official announcement, so I don't have anything more to comment on that. So we'll just keep going. This is coming after the Vegas Golden Knights announced a history-making multi-year partnership with Vegas Sports Booking, William Hill, us, U.S. No, there yeah. will not be an air horn, Tim. I'm sorry. I know you really wanted to hear it, but I'm not going to play it. Yep, yep. But what's interesting is that in the press conference, the Angel noted that they'd be providing the bookkeepers with the advanced statistics, it, and it's honestly a little odd because uh, the book, the books generally don't care too much about being right. They care more about having even play. Mm-hmm. So... I'm not sure how much the advanced stats actually help them if most people aren't using them to bet. That's a good point, Tim. I guess you could make an argument that that gives them an initial pricing edge, but I'm skeptical. They're mostly looking at how people are looking at the books to price their books. So to, talk, to finish off top of the hour, Tim, we've got two signings that we're going to start off with. The Washington Capitals have signed Cody Clark to an entry-level contract worth $870,000 per season. Clark, drafted 47th overall in the 2018 draft by Washington, is the son of former Maple Leafs legend Wen Clark. That's it? Yep. Montreal Canadiens have signed Ryan Spurl to a personal tryout with their AHL affiliate Lavelle Rocket. Spurl, drafted 55th overall by the Detroit Red Wings in 2011, played 44 games for the Red Wings and Rangers, scoring two goals, 10 assists for 12 points. Just a guy who's kind of bounced around and meh, he's okay. Like on, like not bad shot impacts, but gives a lot of shots up in front of the net. It's a PTO, so who cares? Mm-hmm. He's not terrible, not great. Who cares? Yeah. Well, Tim, let's sit back because whoo boy, we just finished fifteen stories, bud. Yeah, forty some minutes in. <laughs> At least. Oh, this will be a bigger. Yeah, this is going to be a good one, Tim. I can feel it. Yep. Now that we finish off top of the hour, let's go into the two games we've got to talk about this evening. The Bruins versus the Senators and the Sens versus the Avalanche. But before we do that, let's hit the music. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. Okay, Tim, let's start talking about the Bruins versus the Senators. This is a 4-1 to Bruins victory. Bruins goals were scored by David Pasternak, David Krejci, and Patrice Bergeron. Sens goals were scored by Hot, 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 Sam, Bot, Joe. Shots were 39-32 for the Ottawa Senators. A gut-wrenching game for the Senators. Despite having the lead in shots, all the bounces went for the Bruins, including, including two sure goals that the Bruins defense swatted away before it could go in. Boston looked to have the edge early with their scoring chances. However, Ottawa paced themselves early before both teams turned it up. Like I said, Boston got all the chances in this game, including those two sure goals that were taken away from Ottawa. Yeah, and 
but then again, it's like you make your own luck, right? And mm-hmm. but for a team, a game where like at five on five on evens, Ottawa was playing very well outside of one very overmatched line. It's heartbreaking because the Sens were the better team. Exactly, and I often wonder. Could we have won this game had those two goals gone in? Well, like, it would have changed the momentum of the game for sure. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, Boston's top line is freaking ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Including the top line of the next team that we've got to talk about too. Yeah, and it's just once uh, Pasternak, Berger, Pasternak and Bergeron got going, lights out. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about Thomas Shabbat, because with his one goal in this game, he looked like a seasoned pro once again. And for me, he was the best player for Ottawa, outside of, surprisingly, a guy that I don't give enough credit to, is Colin White. Yeah, well, just Thomas Shabbat has been phenomenal this season. Oh, I know. That guy's just such a beautiful man. And like he's re- he's really kind of blossomed uh, in the expanded role he's taken. And it's a shame that they kind of couldn't grab the win. Yeah, and like yeah, they play. I think they play. Like Thomas Shabbat was just all over the ice again, and it looked good. Absolutely. And Maxime Joie had himself a very good night. Uh, like just dominating the ice at sixty-one percent of uh, shooting events. But as you're saying, Ottawa couldn't get any luck. No, absolutely. They just. Oh, boy, it was such a gut-wrenching game to watch. Yeah, I'm glad that I didn't get a chance to watch it. Yeah. One line uh, that really looked good, I know you're talking about the Bruins' top line, that Smith-PRV-Pyatt line, that looked decent. That looked solid in this game. Oh, they got their shit kicked in. Because they are basically thrown to the buzzsaw, and Tom Pyatt looked bad. I don't know, Tim. I mean, I thought, personally, they didn't look all that bad. Well, I mean, it's, it just was kind of a dumb decision to throw your sh- like your shittiest line out against one of the league's biggest buzzsaws, especially when you had Mark, like Mark, St- Mark like the Stone Duchesne line, Stone Duchesne to Signal line were having a night. So, like, they probably could have gone guns to guns with uh, Marshawn Bergeron Pasternak, and that probably would have halted the bleeding a bit. Like. They were given a, a bad match, and they got kicked in. And they were on ice for most of the goals against. No, I know we already talked about in top of the hour, but that Mark Borvieski elbow, that was deliberate. I do not... Like, I watched that, and I'm just thinking, oh, yeah, he totally saw it coming. Yeah. This wasn't a, oh, yeah, I was just... I sort of lost my balance and backed up and elbowed him in the face. You saw Borvieski turn him turn his head towards him and just crank him in the face yeah that was that was something the sad thing is like stuff worse than that usually gets let go but Mm -hmm. if that's going to be the standard of what we're calling people on i'm fine with that yeah other than that yeah the game's just a heartbreaker because the sense played very well yeah it didn't get any worse from here tim or any better i should say yeah. All right, let's talk about it. Sens versus Avalanche. This is a 6-3 Avalanche victory. Sens goals were scored by Matt Duchesne with two and Ryan Dezingle. Avalanche goals were scored by Miko Ratanen, Gabriel Landeskog, Nathan McKinnon, Samuel Girardi, Matt Nitio, 
and Carl Soderberg. Shots were 37-24 for Ottawa. Ronnie Zingle scores first for Ottawa to make it 1-0 in tight. Duchesne deflects the CC point shot to make it 2-0 Senators. Sam Girardi scores to make it 2-1 with a perfect shot. Duchesne scores an answer goal to make it 3-1. Ranton scores on the power play with a one-timer to make it 3-2. Soderberg deflects the puck on off. Craig Anderson's pad on the rebound to tie the game at 3. Landeskog scores to take a 4-3 lead. McKinnon scores to make it 5-3. And Nitio scores to make it 6-3, which would be the final. Now, I, unfortunately, I had to condense watch this game because, like I've said, it was really busy at work and I didn't get a chance to watch it. Let's talk about that top line of McKinnon, Rantanen, and Landeskog because, wow. Yeah. They were, they were on and just didn't stop. Nope. That was, I feel bad for the mag, for the Payarvi-McCormick-Pyatt line because they got hard matched to that. And they got their teeth kicked in. Mm-hmm. Like, it wasn't even close. Yeah. One thing I noticed in this game is that the Senators' defense looked awful in this game. They gave the Avalanche way too much time, and overall, I thought their defensive coverage was terrible in this game against their top lining. Guess who was back in this game? Ugh. Is it the man but, who we will not name? Yeah, but I feel like Dylan DeMello had a rough game as well. Mm-hmm. Actually, so did Shabbat, too, from what I saw. Yeah, and, like, Thomas Shabbat can't have a... This sucks for a rookie, but given the lack of depth on the Ottawa D-line, he can't have a bad game. No, but then again, overall this past season, he hasn't had too many of these bad games, and I understand that this is growing pains for a young 21-year-old defenseman, but like you're saying, with the lack of depth on the defense... It's hard for somebody like Thomas Shabbat to have games like this. And, well, here's the thing. The players are human. They're going to have bad games. Yeah. But, like, Cody Cece can't bail him out. Max Lajoie looks pretty bad, too. Dylan, De- yeah, like the Shabbat DeMillo night had an off line, had an off night in the team. And this is the thing, though. It's like Ottawa's top forwards, they were firing. You got three goals out of, Dush- out of Duchesne's stink. Oh, Duchesne and Dezingle. That's usually enough. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, the te- the rest of the team just didn't come to play. Mm-hmm. One thing I actually didn't put I didn't put in my notes was this is Matt Duchesne's first game back in Colorado as an Ottawa Senator. Yeah, and he answered in style. Yeah, he looked good that game from what I saw. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, Matt Duchesne was on the right side of the puck for most of the night, and, yeah, it's... He was playing hard, but Ottawa's defense looked pretty bad, and Cody Cece wasn't on for all the goals against this time round, but... Crazy. Greasy game, and you could tell he was on the ice because a whole lot of pucks coming from real high danger sh- real high danger places. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about Craig Anderson, because I didn't think he looked bad in this game. Overall, just because the defense did not give him much help at all. No, they gave... Great players, great shots all night. Like, on 5-on-5, five five, three of the four goals came from the slot, plus a majority of the shots came from below the face-off dots. Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah. Like, if you're giving if you're giving your opponent primetime shots like that, you're going to lose. And this is another game where I felt that 
Ottawa was just too undisciplined. So they were giving up a lot of penalty opportunities too. Right. And they were victimized on two of the three. Yeah, it's not right, man. It's not right. No, and it's... If your penalty kill's not clicking, you gotta be disciplined, and that's something this Ottawa team just can't do. Like, we saw it with Borowiecki, and we'll see it again with Borowiecki next week. Mm -hmm. Now, I understand that you were saying, before we hit record again, that Borowiecki has been suspended three games for his hit. Yeah, in the Vegas game, and that was... That hit probably deserved five. Because Borowiecki leaves the bench and runs a guy. Yeah, and I understand that he's trying to change the momentum of the game for the Ottawa Senators, but in 2018, you can't just come off the bench and hit somebody like... I don't want to say someone like a Chris Neal used to do, but Chris Neal would at least be on the ice for a little bit before he would hit somebody. Well... Maybe not in that game against New York where uh, Taylor Pyatt... Was it Taylor Pyatt? No, it was uh, Tanner Glass. Glass. Uh, Chris Neal played two minutes of that game. And he did... Guy Boucher brought him in to do something batshit crazy, and Chris Neal did something batshit crazy. Mm Mm-hmm. You have to wonder that Guy Boucher isn't averse to bringing in people to do things batshit crazy. Do you think he told Borowiecki to do something like that? Maybe. But personally, I don't think that's Guy Boucher's style, though. I think Borowiecki is... That's kind of like his mindset, like a Chris Neal, that he has to be the guy out there to throw his body around. Yeah. Well, he's going to be sitting for a few more games. Yeah. One thing I want to talk about before we head off into the close is that, and actually, funny enough, I think it was Joseph who actually brought this up on Twitter. The Ottawa Senators don't look like they're having a lot of fun on the ice lately, the last couple of games. Yeah. They look a lot more stiff. They look they look a lot more accident-prone, and they look like the Ottawa Senators from last season. Yeah. It's a bit of a shame, honestly. Well, maybe they've won a few games, and all of a sudden, somehow, pressure's come back on, but there really is no reason for that. No, not but at all. Maybe there's something internal. Maybe. So, Tim, do you got anything you want to talk about before we head off into the close? It's just discipline's going to be a huge issue for this Ottawa Senators team. I'm going to leave it at that, Tim. I can't even think of anything else to say. Yeah, it's... Uh, they take a lot of dumb penalties. Mm-hmm. And it's not even the young guys a lot of the time. Like, you get, like, Zach Smith, Borowiecki. And it's not going to end well for them. No, not at all. Especially with the weakness of Ottawa on defense and uh, tops shut down defenseman Cody CC. The opening of the season was a lot more fun than I was expecting, but I think we're going to get the season we expected. I hope we don't. I hope once Brady Kachuk gets back, it's a like maybe before he gets back, it's a bit more up tempo. Cody CC dies again, maybe, and like it's fun to watch again. And once Brady Kachuk gets back, it's all smiles and fun. But yeah, it's really gripping the sticks. Absolutely. So Tim, do you want to head off into the close for another night? Yeah, sounds pretty good. Okay. 
First of all, guys, thank you so much for listening to the Third Line Plug Sandscast. I hope you enjoyed it because, believe me, Tim and I loved recording them for you. You can find us on iTunes. Please listen, rate, and subscribe. We are on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash thirdlineplugsensecast. And because our pod Dave made the mention, we are on Google Play Music. You can find us on Twitter at thirdlinepluck is our Twitter handle. Tim is at m 901 Badger, and I'm at greatwhitegipster, G-R-8-W-Y-T-E, Gipster. If you want to shoot us an email to talk about these games or the fact that we did 15 stories of Top of the Hour, shoot us an email, thirdlineplugsensecast at gmail.com. Well, Tim, with you being out of town next week, Joseph and I are going to be looking at four games from this week. We've got the game that we just talked about, The Sens vs. The Golden Knights. Ah, that's better. The Sens vs. The Coyotes. <laughs> and the two games vs. The Buffalo Sabres on Thursday and Saturday. Yeah, I'm going to miss you guys. Yeah, I'm going to miss you too, buddy. I'll try not to lose too hard. Well, I hope not. I hope that you do good. And, you know, I'll definitely be checking up with you on Twitter. And you'll probably shoot me a message to see how you're doing yeah. and all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Tim, before we close out, uh, do you got any advice for, t- for Joseph being the guest co-host for next week? Make sure you don't pick 15 stories if you're going to cover four games. Well, I really don't think he has that that choice, but you know, maybe if the news week's a little more slower this week could be great. Yeah. Hopefully people don't die. Yeah. Until next week, guys. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. This has been Tim Jensen. Go Sens, guys. My time here is up. They're going home! So, Tim, knowing that you're not going to be on next week's episode, I guess we should play a quick game for the... for an Easter egg, eh, bud? Ooh, where are we hiding this? We're going to hide it right after the outro song, as you just say. Alrighty. Okay, so I know that we hinted about this on the show. Do you want to play a quick round of Stork or Sidork? Oh, Jesus Christ. Okay, now do you want to go first or should I go first? Explain the rules first. Okay, so this game is kind of stupid and it's just kind of inspired by the podcast Tagrant Torrens. And it was based off a game that they did called Jetski or Gretzky. And they would come up with a fact, and the host had to come up with the answer, whether they were talking about Wayne Gretzky or a jet ski. And I thought, oh, you know, that's kind of funny. I want to come up with something Ottawa Senators related. So I thought, okay, what's so funny? So I thought, well, there's a goalie named Peter Sidorkowitz from our expansion season. And I thought Sidorkowitz is close to a stork. 
So I said, well, why don't we come up with a game called Stork or Sadork? Yeah. I think we'll get exactly one game out of it. I think so. So do you want to go first or should I go first? Yes. You well, go who's first. going? Me go first? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Stork or Sadork? They flock east in the spring slash summer season. Pretty sure that's the bird. That is Sadork. What? Because Peter Sadorkowicz is from Europe. So during the fall and winter seasons, he would have been in North America playing hockey. But by the spring and summer seasons, he would be at home in Europe. Okay, I see. All right. Stork or Sadork? They were once thought to be monogamous, but this is only true to a limited extent. Ooh. I'm going to say stork. That is actually the migratory bird. They may change their mate after migration and migrate without them. Kind of sad. Okay, so I'm one for one right now. Yeah? We should have put a bet on this. I mean, no bets. No bets. No bets. <laughs> okay, I'll go next. Okay, stork or sadork? They are large and long-legged. That's the sadork. That's a stork. Fuck. Yeah, a stork is large and long-legged. But, I mean, technically, that, that could have been for Sador, because I don't know how tall he is. Let's have a look on Google. Cause, and I guess with his goalie gear on, he would have been pretty tall. And people have long legs, too. Oh, there we go. Peter Sadorkowitz. Uh, oh, he's five foot nine, 180 pounds. Yeah, so that's a stork, bud. That's a stork. Okay, so you, do you got another one? The name comes from the Hebrew word kashta, meaning merciful or kind. I'm going to say sadork. That is the white stork. Ooh, nice. So I'm one for two. One for two. Let's see. Do we want any more? Or... Yep, I'll do, I'll do one more if you want to do one more. Yep. Okay, stork or sadork. They can usually be found wearing the colors red, green, and black. Oh, that's Sadork. That is Sadork because green for the Hartford Whalers, red for the New Jersey Devils, and black for the Ottawa Senators. All right, one last one. One last one. How do I phrase this one to get the game back to tide? Okay. They often maintain a nest for... Six to eight months. Oh, wow, that's tough, Tim, because that could be either one. That could be either one. I'm going to go on a limb and say that's a stork. That's the sadork. Oh, that's Six the sadork. Six to eight months being a hockey season plus the postseason. The storks generally only nest for about a month. Ah, okay. Okay, that's good. I like that. Yeah, a month or two, yeah. Yeah, that was a good game. I didn't think we were going to get that much out of it, to be honest with yeah, you. Yeah, I thought we were going to be like, what had done? Yeah, maybe we'll have to bring it back if we can come up with some more some more facts. The guy played four games after his year in Ottawa. Hmm. That's going to be tough. It is, but it was fun. It was, it was fun while it lasted. Yeah, well, we'll come up with another game. Yeah. 
Well, Tim, I hope you enjoy your time in Rochester, bud. Should be fun. Oh, I will. If I see any storks or sadorks, I'll have to let you know. Cool. Let me know, bro. Mm-hmm.